right, everybody, welcome everyone to episode six of this Facebook Live series where Dr. Steele and Dr. Newton will be discussing the topic, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, The Power of Self-Affirmation. So I will kick us off by introducing myself. My name is Tatiana Smith, and I'm going to be our moderator for our conversation this evening. I'm a counseling psychology, psychology doctoral student at Western Michigan University and a therapist in the Counseling Center at WMU Syndicate Health Center. So regarding our topic tonight, I just wanted to share that I am a huge proponent of self-affirmations. In fact, it is my love language. I believe that the power of self-affirmation lies in its ability to get into not only our heads, but also our hearts. And it allows us to remind ourselves of what we know to be true about ourselves, not what the world tries to claim. So I try to embody the power of self-affirmations with Black art in my home and in my office and also with even the clothes that I wear. They just, you know, affirm various aspects of my identity as a Black woman. And one of my favorite songs I use to affirm myself is Crooked Smile by J. Cole. Next, we have Dr. Shamika Newton. She is the co-author of the newly released book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, 50 Tools to Heal from Trauma and Promote Positive Racial Identity, published through Rootledge, an imprint of Taylor and Francis Group, LLC. She is also a psychologist, the owner of Legacy Mental Health Services, PLLC, where I did my master's internship, and she is an assistant professor at the University of North Dakota. Dr. Shah's experience in multiculturalism and in training leaders and mental health professionals in building strong teams that are culturally informed. Through her clinical and coaching experience, Dr. Shah has learned that what we say impacts how we feel and what we do. She strongly believes that our words have power and that we can speak positive or negative things into our lives just by the use of our words. Right now, one of her songs for personal affirmation is an oldie but a goodie, the song Ooh Chow by The Five Stair Steps. And next we have Dr. Janae Steele, who is also the other author of Black Lives Are Beautiful. She's a licensed professional counselor and a counselor educator at Walden University. Dr. Steele is also the owner and clinical director of Kalamazoo Cognitive and Behavioral Therapy, PLLC. She's certified in CBT through the Academy of Cognitive and Behavioral Therapies, where she is also a new member of their board of directors and an original member of their diversity action committee. Dr. Steele's beliefs about the power of self-affirmation are grounded in her personal spiritual practice and wisdom, which says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, as well as empirical research documenting the efficacy of self-affirmation in promoting healing and belonging among African-Americans. One of her favorite songs for affirmation currently is Black Parade by Beyonce. So we just want to acknowledge that while the majority of this conversation will focus on the positive benefits of self-affirmation, at points this evening we'll be talking about issues related to identity and the history of slavery and marginalization of Black people in the United States. We recognize that conversations about these issues can be painful. With that in mind, we always like to begin with a reminder about the importance of self-care and mindfulness during our time together. If you are a target of oppression, be aware of anything that might be overwhelming, use mindfulness and breathing skills when you need to, and take a break if necessary. If you are an ally or a learner, work toward maintaining a non-judgmental stance, recognize any defensiveness you may be experiencing, and listen with the intention of understanding and learning. We also invite you to apply the coping strategies we'll discuss this evening. And finally, something fun for this evening, a copy of Dr. Steele's and Newton's recently released book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, which includes several self-affirmation strategies, will also be given to one lucky viewer who participates in tonight's discussion by asking a question or making a comment. So with that said, we will get started. So my first question that I have for you this evening is, how would you say negative thinking impacts our well-being? I can uh, go first. 
I think um, for me as a CBT therapist, the relationship between um, negative thinking and well-being is really defined by the cognitive model, which is kind of like the foundation of CBT. And the cognitive model says that it's not what happens to us that determines how we feel, but it's how we think about um, what happens to us that results in us having various feelings. And so like if, for example, you think about a situation where a person loses their job, they might have a thought like, I'm such a failure. And as a result of that thought, they might have a feeling like being depressed or being hopeless. And then conversely, a person in the same situation um, might have the thought like, this is great. This is just what I needed to give me the push to finally start my own business. And that person, as a result of that thought, may feel excited or hopeful. And so like in those scenarios, the situation didn't change, but the feeling of the person did based on how they were thinking. And so when we're talking about um, negative thinking and our well-being, the reality is, is that our thoughts literally create our emotional world. And to some extent, they create our physical worlds as well, because not only do our thoughts influence our feelings, like our emotions, but they also um, determine how we react behaviorally and even some of the physiological responses that we experience in our body, going back to that um, person who was thinking they're a failure as a result of losing their job, they might also um, do things like isolate themselves from family members and friends because they are embarrassed about losing their job and they might have physical sensations like maybe chest pains or stomach aches because they're worried about the future. Yeah, and in, in line with what um, Dr. Janae said, um, when I think about the impact on our well-being and self-affirmation, um, it can really open up doors. Our ability to self-affirm can open up doors or it can shut doors for us. Um, and if it shuts doors, then it can lead to things such as hopelessness, helplessness, um, and even sometimes despair. And I, you know, as I'm thinking about this question, something that happened today that I experienced kind of highlights it. Um, I think when you read my bio, um, Tatiana, you mentioned that I was, you know, a professor at university and I serve on a missions committee. And there was a young man who had applied for admissions to our university, but his grades were um, kind of lacking. They weren't as high as they should be. And so we decided to interview this young man. So we were kind of on the fence. Should we admit him? Should we not admit him? And through when he came onto the Zoom for the interview, his ability to self-affirm himself opened up a door for him. And that door was admissions into our university because he began to speak um, about the changes that he had made since undergraduate um, education. And he began to speak about how, you know, how this was a legacy that he was trying to set up for his children and that he was trying to make an impact. And he was really affirming himself. And it was to the point that it was across the board that we were all like, we need to admit this person and they are going to make an impact on the profession. And so his ability to affirm himself, it created opportunity for him. And I think that we as Black people, our ability to affirm ourselves, it can use, like I said, shut doors or it can open doors for us. And then that can then reinforce either that feeling of hopelessness, helplessness, or it can, you know, build us up and help us to realize that we can transcend, like this young man was trying to do, transcend his life situations that he was coming out of. Wow, that testimony is so powerful, Dr. Newton. Kudos to that young man for counting himself 
in instead of counting himself out. And to the piece that you're talking about, like the whole point of like the self-affirmation is like it starts with self. I mean, because our ability to affirm ourselves impacts the way that we see ourselves when we think about, you know, our sense of worth, our esteem, our confidence. And so I feel like for Black folks in particular, negative thinking for us, especially living in, you know, this system, we're navigating all these different intersecting systems of oppression. When we engage in that negative thinking, it really makes us forget our power. Um, and it honestly blocks us from our blessings. Like you're, you know, out here existing in this negative space. You can't affirm yourself to just, as you said, Dr. Newton, open those doors for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, it causes us to advocate. Um, so when he was able to affirm himself, like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, like buying into everything he's saying and really feeling the power behind what he was saying as he was affirming himself. So then when I got out the meeting, it caused me to reach out to another faculty member who I know has a large grant to fund students. And so I reached out to her. I was like, we got to get some funding for this student. So it caused, a, like you said, goodness or blessings to come his way because he was able to believe in himself. Yeah, I, I think something that's standing out for me and in, in listening to you talk about this um, relationship between self um, affirmation and one's spiritual sense of self is, um, you know, I recently came across some research that said that up to 85% of African Americans um, believe in God. And um, some very large percentage of that um, had a Christian faith. And so I think when we're talking about the use of self-affirmation, there's also this spiritual component that is important for us to key into as well, you know, especially if we're talking about a Christian faith specifically, um, which, you know, instructs us to be careful about the words that we speak because our words do have the power of life and death according to that faith. And I think, you know, I'm not as familiar with other faiths, but I think many other faiths have similar beliefs. And even if you don't believe in an organized religious system, just a basic general spiritual practice will teach you about the power of belief and manifestation. And so, you know, I think it's really important that you two brought that up today because that is a very large theme reflected um, in this whole concept of self-affirmation. I agree, Dr. Still. To that piece about, that was something that I noted. Uh, yeah, especially when, as you were just talking about like the power of our tongue, you know, self-affirmations for Black folks from a spiritual perspective has the ability to shield our hearts, our minds, our spirits from the negativity, you know, that exists in this world and is constantly threatening to drag us down. And I think in particular for Black folks who are Christian, it can be very powerful. Like that is even a powerful intervention in itself. Reminding myself of what God says about me, like it's so powerful and like how that can be used to combat spiritual warfare because we're looking at mental health from like, you know, more of a cultural standpoint, spiritual standpoint, sometimes, you know, the depression, anxiety that we're going through is, you know, based in spiritual warfare. And so arming ourselves, you know, with the word and with those self-affirmations can be very impactful in terms of our mental health and well-being. 
-hmm. Yeah. And one of the viewers, um, Enid Gaddis, in the comments said, sometimes people think words are only things we say to ourselves um, out loud, but we are constantly having an internal dialogue that can be affirming or accusatory or even denigrating. And so I think that's another very important thing to consider when we're, again, thinking about negative thinking and self-affirmation. It's not necessarily just what you're saying out loud, but it's also that internal dialogue and that self-talk that you have. Yeah, I thank that viewer for their comment because I kind of segues directly to my next question for you both is, how do you define self-affirmation? We were starting to talk about it a little bit, Dr. Steele. Yeah, I think for me, um, self-affirmation is self-talk or it can even be activities that are um, designed to encourage you to acknowledge valued aspects of your identity or of your um, personality. So we can be talking about things like your cultural aspects of your cultural heritage or even like aspects of your character. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's also, you know, it's a tool or a form of resistance that we have as Black Americans. It's a way in which we can resist the stereotypes that are often given to us by um, dominant culture. So I, I think it's a way in which we can speak life and positivity over ourselves. And it's a way to resist um, stereotyping that we often experience um, in our Black bodies. Yep, I'm glad that you noted that, Dr. Neen, because it is, it is a way to pour life back into ourselves because, again, we're dealing with racism and sexism and capitalism and patriarchy and all these internalized systems of oppression. You know, it drains so much of our energy and, like, really, like, our life source as Black Americans. So I think it connects to kind of what I was saying earlier, like, self-affirmations allow us to remind ourselves of what we know to be true about ourselves, those good parts that we admire and are grateful for, instead of doing what systems like white supremacy and racism would have us do, which is focusing on what's wrong with us, what's deficient about us, all of our imperfections. And what's deficient about us from that worldview. So we've kind of been talking about this piece throughout our discussion so far, but going a little bit more in depth, why would you both say self-affirmation is important specifically for Black Americans? Mm -hmm. um, in our book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, we talk a lot um, about self-esteem. And, um, you know, we talk about it from an individual perspective, but also from a collective perspective. And so individual self-esteem is just an individual sense of their self-worth, but collective um, self-esteem reflects an individual's ideas about um, whatever social group they belong to and their membership in that group. And so when we're thinking about both individual and collective self-esteem, um, we know that individuals with more healthy self-esteem, whether it be individual or collective, have more success whether that be educationally, financially, um, and they also have an overall greater sense of psychological well-being. Self-affirmation, whether it be um, affirming oneself through one's individual ideas about yourself or 
through messages you receive by and about your cultural group can be a way to improve our self-esteem. And so then when we're thinking about um, self-affirmation, for me, one of the positive benefits and the importance of it for Black people is that it is a way to bolster or enhance or maintain our self-esteem. Yeah, most definitely. And this question you asked, it really, it takes me back to a professor I had at Western Michigan University, the late Dr. Lonnie Duncan. One time I was meeting with them and he was like, you know, Sharmika, don't ever let anyone else define you because they may get the definition wrong, right? So if we cannot define ourselves, then other people are going to impose labels upon us that may not fit who we are. So it's important that we're able to affirm ourselves with the accurate labels that represent who we are um, authentically. And then the other thing is, is that our performance is connected, how we perform, whether if you want to be a business owner or you want to write a book or you want it, whatever that desire goal is, you won't be able to perform at that level unless you believe in yourself. Like I'm a LeBron James fan. If you really know me, you know, I love LeBron. Okay. So, but LeBron, if he go out there and he think like I suck or our team sucks, we're not going to win today. That's going to impact how he performs. So LeBron has to, he probably has a routine. I and probably work with people that help him with his thinking and the way he um, thinks so that he can go out there and perform at his best. And it's the same thing for us. If we're going to make a play, whether that be, again, being a business owner, whether that be, you know, writing a book, whatever our heart desire is, we have to be able to affirm ourselves because that's going to impact our performance. The two aren't going to um, equal out if we don't believe in ourselves, right? I really like that example. And it, it reminded me of um, an example for myself that I think goes back to what Tatiana was saying about, um, you know, like countering negative narratives about being Black. Um, this isn't necessarily about being Black directly, but I think when you think about it in terms of gendered racial stereotypes, it kind of is. So I'm an oldest child. I'm the oldest grandchild in my family. Like, I've been running stuff for a very long time. So I'm a little bossy, right? And I've gotten that feedback um, for much of my life. And um, at one point, like I became really down about it. Like I felt bad about myself. I felt self-conscious when I was interacting with people. And then Khalees came out with that song, I'm Bossy. And I was like, oh, y'all can't tell me nothing because I'm bossy. And that's a good thing, right? And so I think that's in a great for me. It was a great example of individual and parts or individual and collective self esteem, right? Like I didn't come up with that idea, but hearing her speak those affirming words like into my life had a positive effect on myself, my self esteem, and now I see being bossy um, as a strength um, that not only benefits me but it benefits those other like other people in my life, whether they like it in the moment or not, like. The fact that they don't like it, I'm able to not allow that to bother me because I have confidence in like the strength and the value that that aspect of my character brings to my relationship, brings to my life and brings to the lives of other people. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about um, the importance of affirmation for African-Americans, it's 
it's important to remember, like, it's the words that we speak to ourselves, but it's also the things that we say to each other. And it can be like those small things that we say on a daily basis that we think don't matter, but they actually give us a great psychological boost. Things like Black Girl Magic, or like the title of our talk today, I'm Black and I'm Proud. Like, these things, they might seem trivial and insignificant, but they actually have a really significant impact on our overall mental health. Yeah, I'm loving the themes that I'm hearing. You know, self-affirmations, like we were saying earlier, like it reminds us of our power. It, get, it creates the space for us as Black Americans to self-define. And especially, you know, the importance of self-affirmations and being able to critically resist those stereotypes, you know, and thinking about this question, you know, you were talking about going way back, Dr. Newton. So for me, because I'm a big like history person, and that's a part of like my socialization, you know, the way that my mother raised me. But self-affirmations for Black Americans is a form of radical healing. And it's a liberation practice when we consider, you know, our history of for many generations continuously navigating you know, these various systems of oppression and the, you know, the negative impact that we know that they have on our mental well-being. And it's a part of our history in this country. When I think about the Black Power Movement, you know, that was a revolutionary movement, you know, in the 60s and 70s that was built off of self-affirmation of Black folks, you know, to emphasize racial pride, our economic empowerment, the creation of political and cultural institutions that were for us, by us. And even when I think about the Black Panther Party and like how much as a Black psychologist, I am motivated by the legacies of like those ancestors, you know, the way that they celebrated us, you know, by celebrating their Afrocentric features through the way that they dress, rocking Afros, you know, movements like that make me love like my natural hair. We get so many negative, you know, negative comments from within our community for people that have internalized, you know, those racist notions, but also like white people, you know, so it, it, it's, it's powerful, like on an individual level, on a systemic level, but also historically for us. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying, you know, relates to a question Enid had um, that says, do you see self-affirmation as an act of resistance and resilience? And I think your answer is definitely yes. Another thing I'm thinking is it also, it stops us from being stuck because as you go back through those historical events, the Black Power Movement, the Civil Rights Movement, you go back through all those events, I'm sure those leaders, they could have gotten stuck in the fear, they could have gotten stuck in the powerlessness, they could have gotten stuck, but they decided to transcend and overcome that. And I think there had to be some level of affirmation within themselves that allowed them to be able to do so. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm really thinking about like our ability to, to affirm ourselves, it allows for social change to come forth, right? Because if not, we'll stay stuck in the fear, we'll stay stuck in the inferiority and there's no movement, there's no progress. But a lot of the great leaders that you were mentioning, there had to be some belief in themselves to even Rosa Parks, she had to say, I, I'm not today, I'm not, I'm not going to the back, like I'm on the front, I'm on the front today. And so, you know, there had to be some, some sort of affirming of oneself. And I think what's important for me as it relates to like this historical context that we're talking about is that these movements weren't happenstance. People were very intentional in taking steps to counter negative um, 
stereotypes or um, negative views about Black aesthetics, or even, you know, to challenge systemic policies that were negatively impacting the lives of Black people. And so, for example, if we're talking about like the Black is Beautiful movement, someone took something that was a very commonplace thing, but they recognized the significance of it, right? Like the clothes that people were wearing, the pictures that were in magazines, the hairstyles that were prominent at that time, they recognized that all of the impact, or they recognized the impact that all of these things that we do like on almost in a subconscious level have on like our self-esteem and our psyche. And they decided to be intentional in countering that. And it not only, again, like it, it not only has an effect on an individual level, but it helps us all collectively as a group. And it's kind of like that quote from Marianne Williamson where, you know, by giving yourself permission to shine, you subconsciously give others permission to do the same. I'm not quoting it exactly, but I think that that's very analogous to what we're talking about as it relates to the power of self-affirmation self for Black people. Oh, and, you know, because you both um, shared personal stories, something came up for me personally in my life, you know, you know, being you know, a PhD student in counseling psychology and doing that within a predominantly white institution and a powerful moment that I remember, you know, because I'm in a six year process, you know, that's a considerable chunk of my life, you know? And I remember, you know, the first year of my program when I gave myself that, you know, that space to self-define and the space to give other people like the space to say like, I'm not okay, or like I need help. Like we need to get engaged in like this collectivism. Um, we were in the classroom, it's just the first years in the program. And our training director at the time, you know, brought in all the faculty for us to get to know them. And one of the faculty, you know, because a lot of the faculty, they're therapists, they have their own private practices. They asked us the question about, you know, okay, well we hear about how y'all are adjusting, but how are you doing with self care? And, I went to answer the question and just burst into tears. So like, I'm like, this is not regular tears. I'm like boohoo crying in front of my cohort members and also all the faculty. And so I was like, in that moment, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> I am struggling. Okay, This program got me out here grasping my edges. Okay, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm suicidal. All the things. And that moment was so powerful because of this piece about self-affirmations. It's also like us being truthful like, and real with ourselves. That was a liberatory practice that I engaged in at that time and I didn't even realize it. And what it did is not only did it free me from like feeling like I had to put on this image that I had it all together. You know, I'm here, I've arrived. And it's like, no, I still need support. One by one, each of my cohort members were starting to say, you know what, like we respect your vulnerability because we're not okay either. And I feel like that was healing. Like you're, if you, you know, know the history of our department, our program, it's healing because it gave faculty the space to say, hey, you know, we can't help y'all if we don't know what you need help with, you know, like a closed mouth, like don't get fed, you know? So yeah, I think, to, you know, answer that person's question, like it is an act of critical resistance because I was able to, you know, 
push back against that stereotype about Black women that we have it all together all the time, and I'm just going to weather the storm, and I'm just so strong. I don't need help. I don't need to, you know, express vulnerability. So that was just something that came up for me when you said that. <laughs> I think um, you and Enid are on the same wavelength today because she says affirmation can also facilitate compassionate truth-telling to ourselves and help us start over, level up, or rebuild. Yes, and I will say, uh, before we move to the next question, I think, you know, as a Black psychologist and as a Black therapist, you know, self-affirmations are powerful when I think about their ability to heal us from race-based trauma and stressors. Because if you, if you look at self-affirmations as like a radical form of healing, when we ground them in our knowledge about our ancestors, you know, our racial pride for being Black Americans, our history, it represents a form of what we've been talking about, that strength and critical resistance, our cultural authenticity, you know, being true with ourselves and our self-knowledge, again, what we know to be true about ourselves. And so as Dr. Newton was saying earlier, like, that allows us to engage in that radical hope and envision new possibilities for ourselves where we can heal too. Because again, like we, we are reclaiming our power, like I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then as we think about next Monday, we have the federal holiday coming up Juneteenth, which we know is a big deal in our community. So how would you both say that Juneteenth can be used as a form of self-affirmation for Black Americans? I think it definitely can be. Um, and I think it's a reminder that justice delayed is not justice um, denied. Um, and that it took a while for us to get you know, Juneteenth recognized, even as a federal holiday. Um, but it's a celebration, I think, for African-Americans um, and the celebrating the fact that um, our strength and our resiliency um, and that, you know, we're still here, you know, we're still here and we are still standing. And so I think it's definitely a way to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, something similar for me, Juneteenth has always been a time to reflect on our history, not just our history of slavery, but our history as a people, um, a time to reflect on the strength of our ancestors, and then a time to recognize and affirm ourselves, reminding ourselves that we are cut from the same cloth. Like, this is what we come from. This is the power that we have within ourselves. And I think, you know, having this specific day of remembrance is a way to um, very much intentionally do that for ourselves. I love what you just said there, Dr. Steele, because I think it's so important. And I think about like even the babies in our, I think about like the babies, you know, the parents, the adolescents, the young adults, middle age, you know, the older adults. Like, I, because this holiday, you know, is designed specifically to affirm our identities as Black folks. It really helps to what you were just talking about, like instill that racial pride for our ethnicity, for our heritage, you know, and the narratives that have been passed down about, you know, 
our resistance and our struggle for for freedom and you know this continuous like fighting the good fight and it helps to promote like positive like racial identity development which i know for people who have not purchased your book y'all talk about a great deal and black lives are beautiful especially when we think about like the social political climate that we live in and I think for me personally, like as a young person that gets to enjoy Juneteenth, it's a day where I get to just focus on having joy and being in community with other people. And I feel like that is one of the most powerful interventions we can have as Black folks, like centering our happiness and, you know, being in community with other people, whether that's people that are in your family or people you just meet for the first time because you happen to go to an event out in the community. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the sense of community that Juneteenth celebrations um, offer is one of the more significant aspects of this holiday. You know, we don't get together as a community for every holiday. And I think that that is something unique and special um, about this one in particular. And in some of the messaging that I sent out around um, this podcast today, I talked about how as a child um, in elementary school and then into middle school, um, going to Juneteenth every year was one of the favorite things that I did in the summertime. And it was because like in the 80s and in the early 90s, living in the Bay Area of California, like all of the messages that I received about Black people was surrounding gang violence or just crime. And so coming together for Juneteenth was a way for me to obtain alternative messaging about my community. And that helped me to feel better and it helped to instill a sense of cultural pride, but it also just made me feel safer in my community because I was able to connect and to see a different view of the people that I lived with or lived around. And so thinking about like how, um, Juneteenth self-affirmation can provide um, or can enhance psychological well-being, it can increase safety, which is a very important aspect of psychological well-being. Most definitely. And the other piece I'm thinking about, it also helps to bring awareness. Like we can't forget the stories, the struggle of Black people that have, that have gone before us, that have gotten us here. Like we can't forget those stories. And for me, Juneteenth is a way to remember. Um, I think that's important because sometimes the narratives are left out of the books that are in K through 12th grade and even you know, um, higher education. And so it's a way for us to remember and to honor it. And I have this term called control your turf and so like the place I work while it's a federal holiday they don't have it off well I'm the director of one of our programs so we're not meeting that day like we're not meeting and on my blackboard I'm going to post information about Juneteenth and why it's important so that people remember um why it's significant um and so it's a way for like the story of black heritage to not go unnoticed and to not be forgotten, I think that that is affirming in and of itself. Especially when I think about, you know, again, like the piece about the current social political climate that we live in, you know, I'm originally from Florida and it's a lot of foolish stuff going on <laughs> down there and in this country with people literally trying to rewrite history, erase us from history, you know, but America was founded on the backs of BIPOC folks, 
there is no America without people of color, right? And so it is such a, I think about Juneteenth as well as such a privilege for us to be able to remember the sacrifices of our ancestors and to pay homage, you know, to their legacies. And I think about it from like the Afrocentric perspective, like, you know, like how time is like cyclical, right? And we are like, I think about it as like, we are like living on and like extensions of our ancestors. Like you were saying earlier, Dr. Steele, like we are cut from the same cloth, you know? And so systems of white supremacy and racism and events like the transatlantic slave trade and like mass incarceration and like the Jim Crow era, they tried to disrupt that connection and break the bonds that we have with our community and we have with our ancestors. And so Jean Juneteenth allows us to like stand up and say, nope, we here, we still here, we always gonna be here. And to what you're saying, Dr. Newton, I think that's so powerful as an educator, like you are a part of like shaping those narratives and that history and advocating for our communities around that piece of like, no, like we're gonna reclaim our time. We're not meeting, go reflect on the significance of this holiday. <laughs> So my final question for you both is, please share with us your best affirmation strategy or at least one of your favorites. I'd say um, one of my personal favorites, like of course, self-talk, positive self-talk is always, I'd say like the cream of the crop as it relates to self-affirmation, but um, me personally, like I like things that are a little bit more active. And so um, one of the ways to affirm yourself is to develop competence. Um, it could be in a specific thing or your overall sense of competence. And for, so for me, one thing I like to do is every January to write some goals for myself and some things I want to learn and just check back in periodically to review my list and to see how I'm doing and to affirm myself on the progress that I'm making, you know, personally in terms of my own development. Uh, one of my favorite strategy, I call it flip the tape. So like I'm a product of the 80s, 90s. And so we used to have cassette tapes. So sometimes we have this tape that is just negative and it just keeps playing and playing and playing. And so this strategy is just flip the tape. So you get your iPhone, your Android, whatever you're rocking with and just record messages that affirm you. But the thing is, is don't just record anything. Record something that's going to be personal to you and personal to what you've overcome as a person of color. So some examples may be like, you know, I, I will achieve greatness despite racism. Um, greatness is in my DNA or I'm a survivor. I come from survivors. Those are some of the ones um, that you could use or find things that really resonate with you and play that tape, you know, play your audio. If you're going into work or if you're, you know, going into spaces that aren't always safe, play that audio. And the reason why I say don't just write it down because there's power in being able to hear it for yourself, um, being able to hear yourself speak that so that it becomes more automatic. And as you were um, talking and mentioning racism, I think it's just important to add to the conversation as we're winding down that, you know, our intent isn't to suggest that self-affirmation can make up for the fact that racism exists. Um, 
it can. And the psychological impacts of racism are real. And it's not just negative thinking. But what self-affirmation can do as it relates to your experience of racism is to help you deal with the negative um, self-appraisals in ways that sometimes we think about ourselves um, as a result of racism. So it can be, you know, like if we start to internalize negative racist messages, or it can even be like those feelings of guilt or blame that we sometimes develop when we recognize racism, but can't figure out how to directly address it or do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the word that comes to mind is deep. It's not going to make up for the real sense of powerlessness that a lot of us feel, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the despair, you know, wondering, excuse my French, but like, when is this shit going to be over? Like, I, you know, in the real like sense of being tired and fatigued. But I think about, you know, the power of self-affirmation, like for me personally, and also in the work that I do, you know, with Black college students, like, again, like I keep going back to, it gives us back the power. Like for me, it gives me back the strength to get up and do what I need to do. Cause I'm not just going to sit by the wayside and like, <laughs> you know, give up on myself or not stop doing the things for myself, you know, and working on behalf of my community. So it gives me back that power, like it pours back into my cup. It's a part of my self-care, my soul care um, as a Black American, as, you know, a psychologist, as a therapist. Um, when I think about one of my favorite affirmation strategies, and I'm glad that you brought up the piece about uh, positive self-talk, Dr. Steele, um, you know, because it's a, my love language, you know, my partner does very well with it and I try to do well with it with myself. But I think about um, just like you were saying, Dr. Me, anybody that knows you knows that you love LeBron. Anybody that knows me knows that I love me some Issa Rae. Like, I think she is like so dope. And so I loved the show Insecure, you know, when she would have those scenes where she's rapping to herself in the mirror, you, to, you know, to promote self-confidence and self-esteem. Um, and so I like kind of incorporate that like in my personal life, like I love to dance and sing to myself in the mirror and like hype myself up in the morning before I'm going to an event like, oh, girl, you cute, cute today. Like, OK, come through. We're going to go out here and get this money. We're going to get another professional development opportunity. We're going to kill this presentation. Um, then again, like it's just it's just affirming. It helps to quiet those negative talks, the, that negative self-talk, flip the tape quiet the depression, the anxiety, you know, and just allows me to like reclaim my joy. Like I know it's hard. It's been hard. Um, you know, these systems are dominant. They're present. They feel very real, but I'm still going to have joy um, in spite of that. So before we officially wrap up, um, are there any questions or comments from the viewers? I know you both wanted to do a special giveaway for your book. Yes, we have covered all of the comments um, in our chat today. And the winner of the giveaway is Enid Gaddis. And so <laughs> we'll be contacting her for her free copy of our book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, which is available for everyone to purchase on Amazon. Yes, yes. And thank you so much, Enos, for your participation and for sharing your voice and perspective with us this evening. Uh, 
So again, we wanna thank everyone who's watching for joining us again this evening. As Dr. Steele was just saying, if you're interested in learning more, please, please, please check out their book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, 50 Tools to Heal from Trauma and Promote Positive Racial Identity, which you can find on Amazon. And it's very cost-effective, y'all. It's only $30. Go get the book. <laughs> you can use it for yourself, your clients, <laughs> friends, go get it. It's for everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, I also just want to thank everyone. And um, I hope to see y'all back next month. Mm -hmm. And go thank out you. and enjoy Juneteenth. All right. Take care. Okay.